0: Hello and welcome to this edition of CFCP's On Air. Our guests on this edition of On Air are Mariana Rendulic and Chinadun Mututu, both artists on the second session of the New Voices of Ireland series. With them we'll be discussing issues around fatherhood, survival and their art. Firstly, this evening we have Miriana Rendulik. Miriana, good evening and welcome to the show.
1: The people touched on the idea of fatherhood, and obviously, you've been in a situation recently where you lost your father. I mean, I lost my father about eight years ago now and it was interesting from what Boyu was saying about this element that they always seem to be there. There's always a part of them that seems to be transient in some respects and I'd like to sort of just explore that a bit more with yourself as to what's your relationship with fatherhood and with grief at the moment?
2: I think I still am grieving. I think, you know, it takes probably a year or so, or a few years. I've, I've read somewhere that it, it might take a couple of years because everything seems a bit like a dream when 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 something like that happens to somebody so close to you who just disappears. So it's kind of like a dream sequence for maybe a couple of years in some way. If if, if that makes sense. No, it um, makes,
1: makes perfect sense. Yeah.
2: When you when you find a new life and you get used to that they're not around. So um at the moment I hear, you know, I, I I hear doors opening and it reminds me of the way the way he would enter the house. I'm still kind of expecting him to come home.
1: Yes, yes. And how does that affect your artistic output at the moment?
2: It was um, you know, as I said to you, I would never have written that piece if it wasn't for, you know the need to create something. And this was in some way um, cathartic because you are, you know, trying to maybe put the grief on the paper, trying to organize it, you know, trying to organize it on the paper. And then the plus thing is you've got a piece of art, but um, it's kind of, I would feel probably worse if I've done nothing and I was in Ireland and I've just, you know, I I haven't said a farewell. -hmm. Although I've come home and I've said a farewell, but it's different, you know. If you say a farewell, you go to a grave and you stand there, and it's kind of, it's not, you know, it's not, it it doesn't feel tangible. So it was, it kind of feels tangible, you know, way of 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 saying goodbye in some way.
1: Yeah, it's in some respects a personal reflection, and it's not a goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, I mean as this yeah. sort of was noted to say this idea of a personal reflection, but also this idea of a eulogy. And I don't
2: reflection. want to do you know what sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think the reason why I wanted to write it when I did was I didn't want to lose those moments. I, I was like, oh what if in a few years I forget all these things. Not that I forget, you know, people forget dead people. People kind of think, you know, they're gone now. Come on, move on. But I wanted to not to forget, I wanted to pin down all these good things that he did and all these things that he reminded of and all the, you know, um, uh, my own perceptions, you know, I know they're fresh, they might change in some, you know, slightly in some years to come. But it almost felt like if I don't have anything now, um, like in a few years time, I might have even less. I wanted to preserve as much of him as I can because I'm not ready to let him go.
1: Yeah, and I think in a lot of respects from from my own experiences, you're never really in a position to to let go completely. Now, I I appreciate uh, like uh, from from what Chinadon was talking about with his relationship with his father, that maybe when that time comes, there is an element that you can let go. But certainly in my instance and from what you're saying, uh, there's still this constant presence that you still feel around You still relate to You can still connect to And is still tangible In a lot of respects
2: That's so true Exactly It's it's still there It's like I said As I said in the piece Still beating in your heart Or on your mind Or something will remind me When I walk down the street So he, he will stay in my spirit Because he is in my spirit But it's almost like You know putting it uh, as as art, it's kind of like making it stronger or something. Um, but yeah, he never goes away, but you know, yeah. And, and I think in the, in reflection to, um, a piece that Genitim has is, it's, it's hard because, you know, if you're away and you're not in the country, because I was in the same situation, when you have your own, uh, ideas, you always want to make your parents proud um you know you maybe you don't you rebel but then you do what do want to we all do and and then you're in a different country and it's kind of you always have that thing you know behind you or like always have that thing uh on top of your head you know mm-hmm. what, what does your mom or dad think about all this that you're away are you doing a good thing or a bad thing
1: Yes, and then you also have this idea. I don't know where you were when your father passed, but uh, I was on an aeroplane and I'll never forget getting to Bergamo and turning on the phone and there's a voicemail. And um, it's that idea that I'd actually spent two weeks with him beforehand, literally beforehand. And it was that great connection that we had over those two weeks. It was almost like a saying goodbye. But... It was this idea of being totally helpless as well. There's nothing you can do at that point, and I don't know if that how your experience was with that.
2: Spot on, exactly that. Because I've spent time in Croatia, then then um, we I went home. You know, so I've spent my time with him, but I was planning to go back. You know, to work uh, in Ireland, and uh, you know, and uh, but I still feel that I haven't done enough. I didn't give enough time to my dad, even though I was here, you know, but a lot of the time my mind was in Ireland because I was thinking about things that I could be doing there. And, you know, and because I've spent 17 years there. So you're thinking, you know, like you're, 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 you're I was new back home here. um, So, but that, yes, the thing, you know, the, the moment when me and my dad said goodbye, when he dropped me to the airport, I didn't know it would be the last thing that's still very, very, painful to think about it. Those last words he said to me were, um, you know, the last words because, yeah. you know, the same thing, like you said, and then I went to Ireland and five days later, the, when the, I got the call, it was like, it, this can't be happened. It's like help, the helpless. It's like cut off, immediate cut off from from, I don't know where, a surreal experience.
1: Yes, yeah. And moving on, I guess, from a little bit uh, from that, I mean, was your father or your mother, for that instance, prevalent in the work that you were doing beforehand from an artistic perspective?
2: Well, I've, I've done things, I, I suppose you, you write what you know, as they say, and you also, um, you know, you try to make a piece of art. So things are not always exactly as they seem. Um, you know you can't like it's, it can be hard to write real life um, you know exactly what it is and they say you know memories change you know if you write memories next year you, your memory your perspective will change you'll grow and you'll think about things differently but yes I've, I've included elements of my own growing up my own um, experiences you know um, of my family and so, I think that's because that's what I know. That's that's where I, you know, come from. And I try to put, as I said, a bit of a fictionalized slant to it because you 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 have to, and because otherwise, it's just too personal.
1: Yes. And what does the the future hold for your artistic work?
2: Yeah. Uh, so. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, what I'm doing now is I am actually going back to a play I wrote um, that I actually performed um, at the Blue Fire Festival, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the Broken Promise Land. So I'm kind of making it, remaking it. So I'm going back and I'm making a different form of it. So structurally and playing more with technology, which I felt was lacking. You know, it was nice to do something as a one woman show and be able to tell a story. But now, you know, as, as a more rounded artist, I suppose it would be cool to, to use some technology um, and make it, you know, better. uh, Not, maybe not better, but you know, kind of a bit more of an experience uh, in which I'm not telling stories, only stories, but I'm kind of inviting people into the atmosphere with other elements, except my voice. So anyway, so I'm doing that and I'm trying to redevelop it, which is fun. And, and then I don't know uh, what will happen because i have to try, look for funding and then see if I can perform it in a different version and I'm working on other scripts as well. So it's just about going back to what I have already and things, as I said, you know, you write something and then you come back to it in a year time and things change. And then you, you like your real life in the meanwhile, in the meanwhile have taught you so many things that when you go back to your old piece, kind of some things seem much clearer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's, thing- that's very
2: good what you asked me, because today I was thinking about uh, one element of that play. And I was thinking, is this really that that's in, like that this is the way it's supposed to be with this character, or maybe I wrote it because I, I didn't really understand it. And now so many years have passed and now I can understand my own play better. <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, this idea of revisitation, that I guess it's sort of, it's taking something, molding it, uh, enhancing it, taking things away, adding things to it. And as you were saying, this idea of utilizing new methods, new technologies, Has come into the fore a bit more, and that was, in some respects, uh, quite prevalent with the piece that you did uh, a definite start, because you've utilized not only yourself as, if you want, the lead character writer, uh, director to some extent, but also other talents involved, uh, people like Mark McNulty, for instance, and that was what was interesting between your piece and also with Chinadom's piece is that the artist is central. But without these, and I, I hasten to use the word ancillary because I don't really mean that, but without these other inputs um, that come into the artistic sector of the work, the work is is probably not um, fulfilled in some respects.
2: Yeah. I mean, we need each other. Uh, I mean, it enhances everything. You, you know, you get inspired and, and it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's great to to have somebody, you know, um, help you with your vision. So that's the thing with Mark. I didn't have to tell Mark anything, really. I, I just, you know, I, I showed him the story. I put in, you know, images that I was thinking of and and he knew exactly what I'm talking about. So this was so great that we just, we were on the same page from the moment he was, you know, he got in touch with me. And it just worked. And then he worked out his way and I looked at it and I said, that's perfect. And like, and then I said, Oh, maybe this, Oh, that's perfect. It was just, it was just, I'm so happy to have met this person because he just saw what I saw and he was very generous with his time. And he put effort into it. He, you know, went out of his way. He, he woke up in the morning to be filming around the, the park and, and he borrowed the camera from somebody, you know? So, because he he was interested, he's an artist, so it was also beneficial for him to, you know, to maybe experiment as well.
0: Mariana, at this point, I'd like to bring in Chinidim. Chinidim, good evening. (laughs) One thing that was discussed last night and came prevalent to the
1: conversation or the discussion was this idea of fatherhood and how we perceive our fathers, how we look at them. I was talking to Mariana there about um, her relationship with her father and my relationship with my father. My father passed away about eight years ago, whereas Mariana's is more recently. But can you just describe in some respects, in relation to the video, the sort of the relationship that you have with your father, or how you feel about fathers.
3: Um, I think you know, fatherhood for me, and I would say, you know, generally within within what I say, you know, my Igbo Nigerian background, um, is very much fatherhood has been one of absence. Um, I think, you know, given our history and the fact that we experienced a civil war and or some would classify as a genocide of the Igbo people, I think that has had a resonating effect with primarily, um, with primarily the men within the culture. And that shows within sometimes, you know, the level of rage, violence, substance abuse, um, physical and domestic abuse. And um, mixed in with a little bit of humor and history, um, and culture, but I'll say it's very much a sense of absence at times in which, although sometimes our father, our fathers are physically present, but they're very much absent in terms of our emotional development, in terms of our sometimes physical development, but very much there in terms of what I alluded with the start of my piece of, again, the spirituality of it. And very much with the advent of Christianity present in terms of our spiritual growth and imposing this religion upon us, but not really being there for us in our other respective areas of growth that are needed. So in some respects, so going back to the
1: start of your video, you've mentioned you start with the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, uh, and this idea of absence. It's it sort of alluding to the fact that in some ways religion is the uh, surrogate for father, uh, or am I misreading that slightly?
3: I think there, definitely I would agree with that, you know, religion and Christianity. And again, you know, um, yeah, you know, Jesus and our Lord, our Savior, becomes this surrogate father, as you said. So a lot of what I say, you know, um, yeah, young Nigerians and young, young Igbo men and women like me who, again, given the neglect of their physical parents and biological parents, are forced to look up to this existential being and our creator in terms of looking for some sort of guidance and looking for, for love and encouragement and, and, again, forgiveness as well that sometimes we don't always feel from our biological parents. Um, and this idea very much that the the Bible speaks about of this, our inability to disappoint the Lord and our creator and the fact that he loves us, irrespective of who we become and what it is that we do. So I guess, yeah. you know, we, we find some sort of within this father. And how much um, of a
1: figure, if you like, does your father portray in your work? Not just talking about fatherhood here, but in your other work is. Parental uh influence prevalent through the work, or have you taken really another step forward from
3: that? Um in terms of yeah, I wouldn't say parental influence is there. I'll say the lack of it has somewhat freed me and, mm-hmm. and allowed me to become whoever, whatever I need to be, given the certain moment that I find myself in. And I think you know, one of the participants within the new voices, Boye who's also Nigerian, mentioned the fact that, you know, if his father was alive, he wouldn't there be playing music and doing certain things. I think I would definitely speak the same, that, you know, should my parents be actively involved in my life, I don't think I'll be pursuing a career and, and a lifestyle as an artist because that would be something that would be very much frowned against, you know, because we're, we're kind of like prized or, or, or groomed to become either doctors, engineers, lawyers, and when you mention things like artists, it's, it's almost there's a sense of confusion um, as for what are you trying to do with that? Um, and that not always being appreciated and or respected as an yeah. as an art.
1: As I have both of you here at the moment, you, your f- videos or both of the performances that you have, um, there is a theme that runs through them, obviously this idea of father and fatherhood. But there's also, you spent a lot of time or some time collaborating together to come to this decision as what you were going to present. Can you just briefly outline the process that you went through?
2: I, I thought, okay, what should I do? Um, so, I mean, the, the, what just happened that my dad passed away, you know, it just it was just an instinctive decision to write something about him. So I didn't know what that was, but just, you know, something. Um, And I knew it's going to be a piece of prose, um, a poem, because I'm I'm doing a a bit of poetry, but I'm not very serious about it, you know. So it was for me a challenge to make something. And I thought, okay, because it's my dad, I'll I'll try to make something, you know, good uh, as much as I can. So it was a process of learning as well. Um, Just kind of, you know, I was thinking a lot about my dad and about death and You know, I was in my real life revisiting, you know, the last moments of his life. And that's the thing. When you are, you know, when somebody dies, you you start asking yourself, could you have done something? And what was being said? And, you know, and, and even the idea that he's in a grave and what is it like in a grave? And did his skin go black? And. You know, how long does it take for eyes to go hollow and all these scary things. And then the nice things, you know, trying to remember the nice things, you know, uh, my mom telling me, think of nice things. And, and then you think of all the good things in your childhood, you know, and, and all the happy memories. And then I tried to put them together. And the idea was to film yourself. And um, I just planned to film myself, you know, speaking that poem on, on, on the phone uh, for YouTube live and I looked at some locations around me in the nature now during the restrictions. So that was kind of seeming okay. Um, but then I realized that um number one I can't film myself so somebody has to film me. Um number two you'd like to make something interesting so it's not just you know like the video you would make walking through town for your friends. You're you are doing a project for you know, as your, as your job. So I thought, okay, maybe I'll, I'll have to do it in a better way uh, because of the restrictions, we couldn't really meet uh, with anyone else as well. So then I thought, okay, i have to find somebody to film me. So I, I asked somebody, I just met, like, do you know any filmmakers? And he said, oh, you can find, me. like, he gave me some names, you know. So I contacted some person called Mark, um, Mark McNally. And uh, he was like, oh, no, no, I'm in Canada. I'm a comedian in Canada. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. That's the wrong, Mark McNally. So I look around, I'll find this Mark McNally. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found him. And uh, and I said, can you just film me, like, if you if you don't mind, um, you know, or, you know, it's a, it's a project I'm doing. So as long as my face is in it, because I'm a performer, so it'd be great if I'm in it, even though I knew that it's going to be a spoken piece. So it's not going to be about the way I look or, you know, me trying to look nice. It's going to be more about, you know, what I'm saying, but still I wanted to be in it. So it's it's more personal. So he, you know, He said, yeah, that should be fine. Um, The restrictions are what they are, but we'll see what we can do. And he was so organized. So it just went very, very smooth because, you know, I've already looked at locations. I went to the church. I looked around when I was walking through town. I I saw a Christmas tree, Um, you know, so I was already having some ideas in my mind. What kind of locations that would be, you know, and then I started writing a piece about Zagreb, you know, it's just, to, just kind of give a bit of a background to where this person from the story comes from. So then I just started putting it all together. Um, and then when I sent it all to Mark, first I sent him a draft and he liked it. And then I sent him an improved draft, you know, and he started looking at images and you know, the most amazing thing was, you know, when he sent me the shoot dates and it was all very organized. It was like, right, we meet there. Uh, it's going to be me and my friend who's going to do the sound. Uh, we'll get this done. Uh, you're needed for this time, you know. So it was great to feel like an actor because mm-hmm. he was organized. Where are we going to meet? Uh, you know, he's going to be there. And it was all, and he puts like like, as I said, he got up at eight o'clock in the morning to to look around, uh, you know, the, the area, you know, to get nice shots so that was yeah. all so 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 nice and then um yeah i came home and then you know we were talking about you know what well, how this went and all that and he got on to work and he started looking at images putting them together and i was so impressed i was telling my mom like i don't know anyone who would research images of zagreb and they're from ireland and get them perfectly right
3: yeah I mean Chinatom. What was he was he like the archivist put it that kind of like that started off the piece
2: Yeah he was doing the 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 putting on, to putting the piece together putting the images together yeah
3: Oh no I found that really beautiful like it was nice to see
2: Yeah because uh the idea you know I was telling him you know that I wanted images of Zagreb and he knew exactly what I was looking for
1: I mean, Chinadom. Yeah. In a lot of respects, you were a lot closer home with your technical help. Uh, from what I understand, it was your sister. Is
3: that correct? Yeah, it was my younger sister and Amarachi that actually filmed filmed the piece for me. Um, and yeah, that was that was that was interesting in, in the fact that you know, again, getting one's younger sister to get involved. First and foremost, within the arts and to do something as artistic and experimental and as crazy as such as that and especially in the freezing cold um, was one feat. And, you know, for my younger sister to see me as I explore my masculinity Mm -hmm. and within that and for her to film and document it, you know, almost makes her some sort of a witness, right? And to the growth and to the progress that is being made. I think for me, in my creation of the piece overall, I think, you know, I I thought about almost like three things about, you know, speaking, speaking to my father, speaking with my father and speaking for my father. Um, And I say these as, you know, the things that we need to say to these people that You know, we have mixed relationships with of love, hate, admiration, you know, mystery, questions, and and how do we resolve all these unresolved emotions that we might feel towards um our our parents? Um speaking with him in terms of how do we just have a conversation of listening to both sides of the story? Um because although we might have been in each other's lives at certain points. We all experience it differently. Him as the caregiver and having to carry so much on his on his shoulders, and and how as well. You know the experiences of men are are very much negated within society. We disregard them. Do they really matter? Do their emotions matter? Do their feelings matter? Do their wants and dreams matter really? And I feel we we disregard them and subsequently. These men further disregard themselves um, and end up somewhat dehumanizing themselves with some very much unsavory behavior and quite yeah, quite I'll say yeah on unsustainable behavior such as substance abuse, drug abuse and um, domestic violence um, mm-hmm. amongst others, and mm-hmm. then subsequently speaking can for him as well. Um, you know, there's a part within the piece where I'm like, you know, um, looking for his family on Thanksgiving Day. And no, and they were away, and you know, speaks to very much the way in which I I I left Nigeria in terms of my mom just telling us to pack our bags and leaving, and how that must feel for a man to have just overnight loss. Where well, again, these things don't just happen overnight, but You know, you always fear these things, but to overnight wake up and come back to your home and to realize that your children are gone. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't imagine me being a father and having to experience that now, how I would feel and the rage that would ensue within me, and irrespective of how you want to judge me and the, the quality and the caliber of my father. I think the very act of taking one's children away from them is quite violent and how he must have felt as well so there's an aspect of speaking for him and wondering the emotions and what he feels within him as this subsequently happened i think those were the three things that really guided my peace and my subsequent reflection and introspection yeah i mean it's it's very powerful from what you you're talking
1: about there because from the initial inference you get from the is that it's almost this cry from you as to the relationship that you had with your father and from what you're just saying there it's actually it's very very humbling in some respects to sit and look and feel about what your father must have felt from when as you say the children were taken from him and disappeared overnight um mm. it's, a, it's a very powerful image it's this uh, almost idea of empathy, but also this idea of sadness and remorse in some respects.
3: Yeah, definitely. Because I feel, again, within society and as a whole, we're quite quick to, yeah, we're quite quick to come to judgments um, about people, institutions, our parents, these people that are meant to protect us, right? That play a protective mm-hmm. role within society, and not fully understanding The behind the scenes of what goes about playing and being this protector. And, and I think for me, it would have been quite easy for me again, as a young and naive man to be filled with so much rage and anger for my father. But I think it will take a certain level of maturity and development to actually empathize with this man and subsequently humanize him and bring him closer to me as opposed to what my anger would do, which would be push him away. I think it forces me to try and understand his life um, as a young man or as a man um, trying to raise up kids um, within an ever-changing society. Um, It forces me to go to places that I might not want to go to. And as well, it forces me to reflect on motherhood, right, and the role that my mother played within Mm -hmm. it all. And I think, you know, it, it almost offers me a chance to vindicate him somewhat, and um, as a man, and question as well the role that my mother played as well, and um, within the entirety of it all, and as opposed to having these, um, very much solidified ideas, I would rather have more questions as to how things went about being the way they were. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 say very humbling to to hear
1: what you're saying there, uh, just. In some respects, it almost seems um, naive of me to want to move on, but just to talk, Chinadim, a bit more about the work that you actually do um, and what the future might hold for some of the work that you do.
3: Uh, That's a great question, Ian. Um, And I I would say, you know, only God knows, again, speaking to my spiritual father, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think for me, in terms of the work that I'm trying to create, um, my future work, I'm trying to move um and transpose almost like from poetry. And even though I've done some theater work and before, I think, you know, I'd like to do some more theater work and create some some moving pieces, some spiritual pieces. I'd like to say most of my work is spiritual in some essence. Um, but I'd like to create some pieces that, again, speaks more to my Igbo ancestry and bringing in spirituality. Within it, reflected on masculinity, the family, what we classify as community. I think very personalizing it and um, beyond this abstraction of what, you know, some might call as black earth. I think I want to be very specific of speaking and bringing back again some traditions and the loss of these traditions and um, traditions. And, and I'm very much looking at again within a year that has been with so much turmoil and, 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 hurt and trauma. and um, looking at how we reflect on life and death as well. But again, very much rooted within, um, Igbo spirituality, Igbo cosmology, um, and Igbo language as well. That is what the future of my work looks like. I mean, shouldn't have just
1: for for the last part of this. Really, just one last topic I'd like to explore is this idea of masculinity, if you like, and certainly how your masculinity reflects regarding to the spiritual nature or the actual, again, the work that you do. How, how would you define it?
3: Hmm. Um, I think you know, for me, in terms of reflecting on my masculinity and myself as a man, I think. I'll say I'm very, very quite fluid in terms of, and I even reflect on it with my sister at the moment. Um, and because again, masculinity, we, we very much see it in our interactions and um, with other beings and other people and it doesn't happen in this silo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, seeing that of being able to be emotional and understanding as well as being somewhat of an authoritarian figure when necessary, And depending on what it calls, being able to be vulnerable um, and as well being this protector when needs be. Um, And in terms of the spiritual realm, um, I I think, again, it's rooted very much in the language and in the language that we speak. And, you know, there's an aspect of, you know, poetry, music and music and poetry. Um, And there's almost like a melody in which some of my work takes. Um, and there's this, you know, rhythm of life that I try to live as well. Um but I guess you know, if I was to if I was to summarize my masculinity, it would be within the piece, um, where you see me almost like, you know, dancing with no music and you know, um mm-hmm. haggardly smiling um um to, to some unknown figure. I think that would be the best way to capture it where I find myself, you know, fighting with notions of the past of what I should be and and you know dreams of the future of what I'm trying to capture within myself. But I will say very much, Ian, at the moment it's a work in it's a work in progress. And who would mm-hmm. it be today at such a young age in my life that I've somewhat figured out and who I am as a man because it always changes with the circumstances that we're in. I think that's really what judges and how we tell the character of someone. It's not necessarily who did they, they define themselves to be in the moment but it's how they find themselves coping with the moments and as they go through the journey of life and maybe come back to me years time and I can tell you who I am again. Exactly. Because I mean, as you've mentioned
1: there on a couple of occasions, circumstances have really dictated a number of events Uh, for one We've had this COVID nineteen pandemic for the past year, but also from your situation, and I guess in some respects in Mariana's situation, there was this aspect of war and civil war that's played a large large part in your lives as well. Um, and this idea of things changing suddenly, and neighbours becoming enemies, um, and almost enemies becoming friends in some respects. And that's coming back to what you were talking about there. You know, about yeah.
2: Sorry.
1: No, it's just this idea that things change. Your masculinity changes or your view changes or your femininity changes. And that must be very difficult to reconcile with as well.
3: Mm, I, I think, you know, it becomes ever more difficult and within a world and um, within a world that sometimes, you know, and um, within a sector where I don't see a lot of people that look like me um, doing the things that I want to do within, again, very much of that, you know, um what i say you know um what i say ethnographic lens um, mm-hmm. you know in particular for example coming from nigeria having experienced civil war and again once you don't see those role models that look like you and you don't see people that look like you doing the things that you want to do it now becomes hard for you to almost like you know reimagine yourself and move within a space because again, you know, we're all looking for guidance um, and somewhat of father figures and mother figures wherever it is we go. And that comes in the form of mentorship and um, sometimes. Um, so it becomes quite difficult, right? In, um, but again, not impossible. And I think again, sometimes within this absence, it gives one the freedom of a blank canvas to become almost anything and everything, as well as fighting with preconceived notions and naturalized notions of what it is to be a man, which would be very much, you know, would be in my case, you know, very much an Irish white and um, Irish white man, and um, an Irish white Irish white that is a lot more fluid um, and allowed to be almost anything within society, and and for me coming from a very much would I say traditional Christian background, um, and again very much you know traditional machoistic and um, evil and um, culture, um, it becomes a lot harder to navigate that, and for people and your people and fellow men to see you subsequently as a quote-unquote man. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. That's, that's-
2: I just wanted to re- connect to that uh, secondarily because it's very interesting. You know, I, I got the sense that uh, Nigeria is very uh, spiritual, uh, you know, uh, Catholic country and, and, you know, it's it's in people's um you know uh, minds and so but it, it's interesting comparing to me because Ian mentioned we had wars and you know I know and if I'm spiritual but the, like in my country in Croatia we, we had both communism and Catholicism you know pretty much in the same time so it's it's kind of confusing because it's you know that's why I wouldn't think of myself as a uh, you know uh, spiritual in that Catholic way you know, but I, I'm spiritual, trying to be the best person I can be, you know, but I wouldn't have that tradition may, maybe that other countries would have, you know, and that would be very interesting to see what's what's the Catholic tradition in in, in a place like Nigeria. So that's, that's very interesting, um, you know, so, yeah, mm-hmm. so that, that makes sense
1: uh Mariana and Um, I'd just like to say thank you very much indeed for your time. And thank you very much indeed as well for your pieces that you presented the other evening. And if anybody wants to see them, they're available on YouTube and the links will be available after this podcast. But thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you very much indeed for taking part. And it was a pleasure talking to you.
0: So that's it for this session of On Air. If you'd like to find out more about the show, please go to cfcp.ie. In the next session, we'll be looking at more about the New Voices of Ireland series through the eyes of poets Vivian Fiorentina and Sheila Toldi. We'll be looking at borders, migration and what it's like to be a migrant artist living in Northern Ireland.